This is an interview with Void Vader guitarist Eric Kluber on November 15th, 2020 by Nick Perkel. Now, can you tell me about getting your very first guitar? I remember that pretty well. I was living in Tustin, California at the time, and I had a friend whose older brother was going to the military and was selling off a lot of his his uh, his goods. And one of them was his guitar, Ibanez Roadstar II. And it was the same guitar that was featured in Back to the Future, Marty McFly doing the audition for the Battle of the Bands, and Huey Lewis says, you're too loud. That was my first electric guitar. Um, before that, I did pick up dad's acoustic that had been laying around. And every time we moved, I noticed it. And I had always experimented and just tried to pluck the strings and never even really understood how it worked. Um, so technically, my dad's acoustic guitar was my first guitar. But my own first guitar that was uh, a birthday present for my 13th birthday was that Ibanez Roadstar 2. Did you take any special schooling or private lessons with uh, tutors over the years? You know, my parents were really supportive of music lessons before guitar. I had played piano, and um, I did enjoy it, but the, the teachers were a little bit stuffy. It would have been cooler if they had taught me some kind of 50s rock and roll, Jerry Lee Lewis-style playing, but I did learn how to play and get the basics from that uh, when I showed interest in playing the guitar, which, once again, was my dad's first acoustic they're like, well, you learn how to play this. You show some uh, aptitude on the instrument, and then we'll think about getting electric. That's how it always was back in the day. You always had to start on an acoustic guitar. And so I did, and I started with the Mel Bay book. At the time, it was called Mel Bay, and that's an old teaching method, starting on your high E string to the B string to the G string, et cetera, et cetera, doing these old songs. And that book is still around, although now it's called the Hal Leonard Method. And sometimes I use it to teach to this day um, because there's some students that like to, to learn how to sight read, believe it or not. Anywho, um, so through high school, well, that would have been middle school and high school, I, I, uh, I found a private guitar instructor wherever I was living. And after high school, I did go to the Atlanta Institute of Music AIM, it was called, in Norcross, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta. And uh, that, really, that really helped my playing. I met a lot of Southern guitar players, as you can imagine. And before then, I had gone, like my, my high school years was Detroit, a suburb of Detroit, Michigan. And, and I, I tried as hard as I could to learn. But I learned quite a bit from the school and from the students that attended it as well. A lot of those uh, just uh, Southern players, just, just dudes from the area, had fantastic bending and, and vibrato. And that really added a lot to getting the most out of a note. Uh, I really cherish my time. I'm glad I went there. So that's my formal training. You teach guitar lessons. What are some important things you like to impart on your more serious students? Well, I always uh, teach how to navigate the entire guitar. 
I always found that, and still to this day, learning scales can be a mystery when people just look at patterns, but they can't quite seem, they can't quite make the connection of how to take it from a pattern into music. And that's understanding the instrument, and that's where the in- intervals are involved. I always start with the major and the minor pentatonics, the minors, because they're the most useful. Onto the majors, onto the diatonic seven note scales. Uh, the five different shapes to get you through the entire octave, and then it repeats again. And surprisingly, many, many people, even if they've been playing for a while, don't ever catch on to that and figure out how to play and uh, find their home base of uh, what key they're in. And then from there, what mode or, uh, or scale they want to go from there. So... That's getting in depth with the guitar and really taking it from just uh, empty tablature numbers, which is fine and a fantastic way to to learn something, but getting a deeper understanding to be able to to truly express yourself, man. And it's not that hard. It really isn't to understand once you just grasp that there's only so many intervals that there possibly are. And that each scale has a specific formula and then how they're used and how to navigate them across the neck and, 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 and playing in key and being in control. And people really enjoy that. My students really enjoy when they get the control of their instrument and are able to express themselves. With your band Void Vader, can you tell me about how you guys formed? In, let's see what year it was. I think that was 2014. Yeah, I was in a, a band previously to Void Vader called Gypsy Hawk that broke up in the summer of 2014. And uh, I've been in the situation many times where once you're in a project, you just start hitting the pavement and finding every opportunity around you to immerse yourself with and seeing if anything will stick. And so I got back uh, to that mode again. At the time, it was still Craigslist. And you just answer every Craigslist ad that seemed to have some potential and start jamming with people. Now, that being said, Void Vader was a bit different because I knew the drummer at the time that was in the band. And Void Vader's gone through quite a few musicians. And he invited me out to a jam session, which... I was a little bit hesitant about oftentimes jam sessions can be directionless. Ah, waste of time, really. But I just talked, you know, I just had a little conversation with myself. I was like, basically, get off your ass and go give this a shot. And I'm really glad I did. Uh, first thing I did when I walked in the door and I heard Lucas play, I was immediately drawn to his playing and impressed. And him and I hit it off right away. I mean, the whole band did that being said lucas and i are the only two from that that version of void vader still in the band but uh i was like wow this guy is really good <laughs> i wasn't expecting that and i was in multiple projects at the time that's what how i used to do it i i would be in up to four bands and and sure enough one by one they'd start fading out and never got married to one from the beginning void vader had 
had some rough ideas of some songs. Um, at the time, I was more of a, just a rhythm player that they, they wanted to fill out the song, the, their sound. It was easy for me to show up and just be a part of it. I got along with the guys. Uh, we, we, we hit the, the Hollywood scene really quickly. And then the music started to progress, and then we started to change the lineup, and uh, things started to fire up. But that's how I got involved with Void Vader. It was very, it was mostly by chance. It was through a friend, and it was just kind of uh, following through an opportunity, which I think is really important. If anyone is in that position, I would I would highly encourage them to try and and see through all avenues that are presented to them. Right now, who are the main songwriters of the group? Right now, the main songwriters of the group are Lucas and myself. Our most recent album that will be coming out in April on Ripple Music. Uh, we started writing that after our last performance, which was in Hollywood, which was September 11th at the Viper Room. And we had been touring a lot. And uh, so Void Vader's writing style has progressed over the years uh, to where just, just more and more of, a, of an all-around band situation, okay? Um, to answer your, your question as quickly as I can for the writing of the new album, these were ideas that both Lucas and I had and we're really good about trading them back and forth. Sam, our bass player, also has a lot of input, but he normally comes in after the fact at this point in the game, meaning that Lucas and I, will, we might pass back an idea back and forth, either in rehearsal, back in the time when people, when we still had a rehearsal space, shit, but because uh, this is pre-COVID, um, or online. So we do the best of both worlds. Meaning we'll present some ideas sometimes over the internet or in person. The band is really good about being able to learn, learn a demo completely from start to finish, very fast, whether it's presented to them on the spot or whether it's presented and the band actually does homework. It could be trading files back and forth or presenting the idea regardless it's it's quick and everyone picks up very quickly and if someone hears something in their head um we'll stop and try out an idea it's something that fortunately for us has been has, has worked very organically um there hasn't been any sort of problem with that meaning if someone writes an idea and someone has an idea that uh helps the song there's, there's no issue with, well, this is my song. There's no sort, sort of petty, egotistical musician uh, crap that gets in the way. Um, before, before the writing of this album, um, starting earlier, it was more, my, my role in the band was a lot less. I was in another band called Iron Out that I was singing and playing bass for. And a lot of my creativity, my creative energy would go towards that. And I would kind of like just just help in the Void Vader spectrum. And once Iron Ot, uh was, was put down, God, what year was that at this point? Was it was early 2018 that things really stepped up. And uh, we're a good team. This is, some bands are solo projects with kind of 
hired guns slash helping hands or people that don't have that much stake in the band. And Void Vader is a very inclusive band. And to take that even further in a demo, you know, I might throw down a bass line. I know that Sam is going to write a bass line that's a hundred times better than that. That's expected and encouraged. And I like that. Same thing with the drums. Now, our drummer at the time, Herman, uh, was forced to leave the country with his wife, Jana Lee. They had been working for years on attaining legal citizenship in the United States. It's very hard. Herman, uh, his nationality was from his home country, was Uruguay. And uh, Jana Lee's is Sweden, okay? So either, both of them um, were foreign, not citizens. Uh, they were actually visitors or guests and had been you know, working their legal visas and trying to attain legal citizenship. And after six or seven years, their time had expired and they were not granted citizenship. So that put us in a precarious position where uh, we had a couple tours that we hired some, some drummers to do. And uh, for the writing of this record, as, as Lucas and Sam and myself passed around demos and rehearsed them as the three of us in the rehearsal spot and then at home and we do the best of both worlds. We wrote the drums on a drum machine. Then uh, the drummer, Joey DiBiase, who was uh, a drummer that had toured with us over the summer before writing. He, uh, once again, much like if I write down a bass line and give it to Sam, I know Sam's going to turn it into a real bass line. And so we programmed some very intricate drums to the best of our ability, and we give it to Joey DiBiase, who lives in Connecticut. Now, we're a Los Angeles band, so this is also something new for us. That was a bit of an experiment, but it worked out very well. He put a lot of heart and soul into it and um, took what we gave him and turned those into real drum tracks. So that's how the writing process happened. And then right before a tour that we had, which we got about five dates into before the U.S. lockdowns happened due to the corona pandemic. We actually got stopped in, in San Antonio, Texas. Regardless, about two days before the tour, okay, we, Joey was in town. He flew in uh, probably a week and a half before the start of the tour, maybe two weeks. And so we rehearsed hard for the tour played the songs for real because we're essentially going to test them out in front of a live audience and make final tweaks to them. But uh, what we did is we thought about it and we recorded the drums like the day, well, two days before the tour started. So, uh, and then the tour got canceled and he had to go home. But that turned out to be kind of miraculous because when we got sent home, we had something to focus on. And, and now we're like, okay, let's finish the record. But that's how we did. I, I hope that gives a good, that's the best I can do to describe on how we did this new record. No, that, this is fantastic. Now, tell me your three favorite songs on this album coming up. I really like Great Fear Rising. That's the most aggressive, speedy, um, I guess slightly thrash metal song of the album has a fantastic intro that Lucas gave me this, this one line that just went A, B, A, B, 
the one time it, re- it, it sounds like A, and the next time it sounds like B. And then I orchestrated a really cool intro to it. And it's just, everyone was just so happy with it, man. And it, it, just, can't, it just fucking rips, man. That's, that one's great. I really like a song called I Want More, which is more of an upbeat um, jammer. It's a rock song. That's a, what else I mean to describe about it. I mean, it's, it's just it's got a fantastic chorus section. Then I do these kind of dyad. They're not, I don't know, they're dyads. They're not arpeggios. Under, underneath this just beautiful chorus that I, I think is unique. The song is really driving. It has like a pretty kick-ass shreddy middle section to it. I mean, I mean, it's kind of a mix of Guns N' Roses, Megadeth. Yeah, that's a great one. And uh, pick a third song, I Can't Take It. It's going to be the first single off the new record. And it's just, it's just in your face. There's not too much to, to overthink. It's super effective. And uh, so this, this album, we put a lot more work into this album. We really did. Um, just going over the riffs and just kind of like, like just adding to them, um, really thinking about each riff and, and, and polishing each riff. So um, this album, as you'll hear, is, it is more, more metal than the last album. We still have a lot of rock to it, um, there, and there's a lot of diversity. The songs are in different keys. All the songs have different feels. You know, this isn't a one-trick pony, not that we ever have been, but we put a lot more effort into making these songs work. Maybe it was just our new approach that we did the best of both worlds. We were up against a kind of a difficult situation, if you will. But I think we were just really excited about it. We also, um, we stopped playing shows because we just wanted to focus on the music. Before, we were always, we were always playing shows in and touring, which, which we love, but anybody in the band knows how much that takes away because you only have so much time and focus. And so that we will not play a show until we finish this record. And then we booked another tour and we were like, okay, we better finish this record because we got a tour coming up in March. So we put a deadline on ourselves. There was some pressure on it, <laughs> but it was enough time. We did it in like, uh, and then uh, flying Joey out to like, put the icing on the cake and having it work out was really kind of rewarding. What were some of your favorite songwriting techniques that you used for this album? Yeah, if someone presents me a riff, I can add to it in a way to just make it bigger. You know, rather than sometimes it's a riff, you, know, you got two guitars, you should use them. Sometimes you don't, sometimes you just let it be nice and simple and nice and heavy, but tastefully make things as big as they can without being overcomplicated. I, there, I, I did have some ideas that had been laying on my computer, whether it was one or especially was two riffs that I turned into a full song. You know, a lot of times when I was in bands, and I've been that long, I might be two, but I would present whole songs with room for anyone else's, you know, like... Not, and uh, also, I, I, I sang on them. I wrote lyrics on them to really give a picture of, like, hey, this is how it could sound. It could, could sound. Imagine if Lucas was singing this. It would sound way better. <laughs> and um, also, um, what's, what's really cool is I sent 
our song on the uh, our last album was called Stranded. And we had a song called Everything Sucks on it. And Lucas was like, dude, you know, I keep hearing this song and I keep hearing your voice on it. And we did it and it worked and it went really well. So we had one song this time around and called MacGyver's Mullet, a fun punk rock, sleazy, trashy, Guns N' Roses meets, uh, meets uh, just some trip. Some street punk. It's pretty fun. And it's kind of jammy, too. Anywho, Lucas was the same way. You know, I wrote the lyrics for it. It's like, you know what? You sing this one. So just having this, this openness and, and willingness to try each other's ideas, it does nothing but help. Um, and once again, I, I had talked earlier that I feel like we worked harder. We, we worked harder on this album, man. We wanted to put it up a notch, not just by saying that, because we wrote album number three. We were afraid to be more technical. And I think we were, I think before we kind of subscribing to the idea and, and not, over, not uh, going in any direction that started to get complicated. And proficient in our instruments. So this time we're like, fuck it, man. If if the riff sounds good that way, there's, that's cool. And going on the road as well, uh, we toured quite a bit. We really started touring in 2018. Wait, 18 or 17? Well, 18 especially. And um, just being on the road uh, all across Genesis, we were able, we did some tours that were successfully bigger and meeting people and playing with bands um, but didn't work and just having our, our eyes and ears open, that helped the band significantly. So I think that's, uh, uh, that's how we did things differently this time around. Now, what has been the most valuable lesson you've learned from being in bands like White Wizard, Gypsy Hawk, and Ironaut in the L.A. area for about 10 years? I've definitely learned a lot. Band chemistry is important, which was... Never truly there, unfortunately, in other bands. Working with people, it's always been important, but maybe realizing when something isn't working and not wasting people's time. Uh, everyone's, everyone's cool-headed in this band. And there's, there's, I mean, knock on wood, I mean, there's just no issues. What have I learned? I've definitely learned um, a, a lot of shitty things, you know, a lot of, a lot of pettiness. I've, I've seen what destroys bands over egos. Um, I've definitely seen, I've been a part of uh, drugs and alcohol, which we still party, by the way. We're not a straight-edge band at all, but I've definitely see that fuck shit up for sure. So I've personally mellowed out on that end. Just being in those bands, uh, it was cool to to tour, and, and you know, I made my share of mistakes in those fucking band sure as hell did and really pissed away some great opportunities so um working hard and, and not being bitter and um trying to keep a good attitude and keep moving forward um the guys i work with lucas and sam i mean and they have like really awesome attitudes you know a bad attitude can just derail a fantastic situation even though those guys are are much younger than all the other bands that i've been a part of so, yeah, I learned a lot of, uh, there was a lot of mistakes made in the past, um, 
then I definitely saw how being a piece of shit can fucking ruin a, a great project. So uh, glad to a not be in a in, in a situation like that, and b not to fuck it up myself. <laughs> What is the most hallowed album in your music collection? I, I'm looking at my CD collection right now. Honestly, I, I'm more into modern music. Um, for example, one of the CDs I picked up recently is by a band called Ultimus, and that's by David Vincent. I've always been a huge Morbid Angel fan with him at the helm, and that's his new project, and it's fucking fantastic, man. Um, I like Idle Hands a lot. They're a band out of Portland that's come up pretty uh, recent. We, you, you and I have talked about them. And um, they're fantastic. I mean, they just kick fucking ass. And Oh, and by the way, you know, they, they recently yeah. uh, changed their name to Unto Others. I'm well aware of that because I bought a lot of their uh, merchandise that was being liquidated. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, nice getting yeah. that vinyl for, for yeah, a discount. Yeah, I got both of them myself. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think that's a great band. Um, a lot of the bands, I mean, I'm still a big fan of uh, Disasteroid, and that's a band out of San Francisco. And we play with, with Haunts. That's, a, you know, a, a really a really good band from Fresno, California. I mean, I've, I grew up with all the fucking cliche legends that everyone loves. I do have, I will say that I love metal. I mean, that's, that's my jam, dude. I love fucking metal. And and that being said, I I love I love fucking glam metal. I love thrash metal. I love some death metal. You know, it's I like a lot of just rock. You know, but it, there's definitely some bands that certain people wouldn't listen to because of whatever fucking ideology they're trying to portray or follow and i think that's bullshit but that's awesome i mean i i just listen to fucking metal but all the bands you know i mean i can talk about ozzy and metallica and megadeth and guns and roses and cinderella and fucking entombed and morbid angel and cannibal corpse but i mean hasn't everybody heard of those fuckers you know So I'm more I'm more interested in in trying to listen to what's happening now. And when I see a link of a new band, I'll check it out. I mean, I have a, a Spotify account, and and I'll just uh, check out a new band's album from start to finish. I don't like to listen to just a fucking song like, and then skip to the next band. That kind of pisses me off, to be quite honest, man. I like to listen to an album from start to finish. And the only bands I listen to are ones that put out good albums from start to finish. You know, I do like some you know, check out a band and maybe they're not doing it for me and then I won't listen to them again. But, uh, yeah, I, I try and, and, and hear new music. And there is, like, I will say, um, recently I heard a Mastodon song that I hadn't heard before. I was like, that's fucking cool, man. You know, I mean, that band, I, I didn't really get that. Like, they're a huge band, but I never really paid much attention to them. And sometimes life just uh, steers you in a direction. I mean, I got a friend who knows those fucking guys, and every time, sometimes we'll, like, bring them up in discussion. And 
and then you see like a, one of their videos pop up. But but that's how life really works, you know. Like whatever's relevant at the time. I hate to just like um, just just listen to something because I'm supposed to listen to it. You know, I mean sometimes yeah. I guess that's when you're starting. That might be how you start, but life kind of. Uh, uh, puts you in a direction of like, you know, hey, check this out, check this out. This might be relevant. And uh, I, I do enjoy listening to new shit. What is your most treasured instrument? Oh, man. You know, I'm not a big gear guy. I, I got my, I got my fucking, my, my black and white Les Paul, which at this point I've had for like 15 years, which I guess isn't really that long. You know, I mean, it's just a less, it's Gibson Les Paul studio. But, you know, I started playing that in the end of years of Overloaded through White Wizard, through Gypsy Hawk, through, uh, well, up to now, you know? And, and, and that's a cool instrument. I mean, my Deans were cool. I mean, I, I've got an ESP. I, I was thinking about maybe, uh, maybe throwing down some fucking money and getting one of the high end ESPs because, I don't know, they're pretty sick, dude. But, you know, I'm not a real big gear guy. I just like an instrument that fucking works and stays in tune. Sounds good. You know, it. I, I, yeah, I'm not like a collector of vintage things. Um, I sold almost all my old guitars um, at times because I just don't have room for them or whatever. But I do have my first guitar, first electric guitar, and my first, my dad's, well, not mine, but my dad's acoustic still that's pretty sweet that's it my mom and pop's place so when i go back i got an instrument to play you know what is your favorite urban legend or ghost story from detroit or la if uh, you feel like more comfortable with that well i'm definitely more of an elegant guy than a detroit guy at this point but roots are roots i mean you know I'm sure I'm sure you're aware of Devil's Night, which is when all the fucking hoodlums come out and burn the city down. They do that the day before Halloween every year. Um, that's kind of an interesting tradition they have up there. I, I will say that when I was in high school, and, and I'm, you know, I'm 45 years old. Uh, I graduated in '93. When I was in high school, Jack Kevorkian was. Have you heard of Jack Kevorkian? Yeah, Doctor Death. Dr. Death, yeah. So he's from the Metro Detroit area. And, um, you know, he was doing, conducting his assisted suicides at the time, and he was making the news, and it was controversial, and he was sort of a local folk hero. And what I thought was interesting is that, I mean, I don't know if it's pure coincidence, but my high school did a, he did this, like, field trip, but it was overnight at this place called Bald, Malk, Bald Mountain Recreation Center, which was just like five or ten miles away. And that's where he did a number of his assisted suicides. And I mean, it was in the news at the time. And, and we were aware of it, but we were kids. And I guess we just sort of thought it was cool. But um, thinking back on it and maybe feeling it, I mean, you're going in these cabins where people had requested to die from a professional and a humane way. And those were carried out. You know, I was actually looking at the news article. It happened in 91. So I, I didn't go there until 92 or 93. Still pretty fresh. And he was still in the news and whatnot. So, you know, yeah, working at that time was, was kind of a big deal, and to go to those cabins and for a fucking overnight school field trip, 
was was kind of trippy. So um, that's a little little bit of like local Detroit history. I did find it interesting that not too much later in '94, I think, I got into this band called Acid Bath, and uh, they were from from New Orleans, and they had a kind of a, a newer sound at the time. And their second album, Pagan Terrorism Tactics. The cover was drawn by Jack Kevorkian, so it just had like another connection of something that I was into. And, oh, I know that guy. It was a really cool cover. It's like, wow, he was very talented. Damn, did you ever get to see Acid Bath? Yes, yeah. I saw them. I lived in Atlanta when I went to the Atlanta Institute of Music. Um, so that was like, I was in Atlanta from 95 to 98. They played, yeah, they played the Sombra Reptile. Um, well, first before that, I saw in a place called the Rec Room, and they opened for DRI. And that was a pretty, I mean, the, the club wasn't big. I mean, 200 people maybe. Um, but it was packed as fuck. It was huge. I mean, it was, it was well attended the show, and it was great. And I was on the Kite Stream or Pops tour so long ago. I bought a T-shirt from it. And anyway, and then, like, they came for the Pagan Terrorism Tax. Uh, pagan terrorism tactics yeah they played the samba reptiles like me and my friends and i don't know like maybe two other it was like seven people there and then we used to go see them uh there was a place in florida that was like five hours away and they used to play this fucking uh, i want to say it was panama city and they used to play the strip mall (laughs) well a club that was in a strip mall right and i mean and sure enough, here comes acid bath, and it's like spring break, and kind of like it's the 90s, and girls gone wild, and fucking yuppies and shit. And here comes acid bath, and just fucking tore this club up. People loved it. Like I guess that was one of their fucking spots that they had cultivated. I saw them twice there, so I saw them four times, and then not much later after that time, and which I think was Panama City, um, their bass player Audi got in that fatal car accident so yeah that was i did get to see them it was very cool damn man hmm. i'm really jealous one other thing shoot what one is other it thing that was kind of cool in 2013 when i was in that band gypsy hawk and we did south, south by southwest and we did this showcase well it was a show whatever they call it a showcase show whatever it was a fucking show and it was a great show at the Dirty Dog in Austin, Texas for South by Southwest, and, and Goat Horror was on it. And I remember it was, we had the park like a fucking half mile away, and um, Wheeler, it was fucking retarded, but we, we had to wheel our gear up there, so when we got to the back to load our gear in, I mean, there's, there's um, Sammy, who was an acid bath, you know. And it was just kind of cool for me. I'm, like, oh, I'm a big fuck. I mean, huge acid bath fan, you know, which which maybe he's kind of sick of hearing, but it was just so cool. Like, we're playing a show together, you know, even though our bands were very different, but on the same record label, I believe. Uh, that was a great show. That was really fucking cool, man. And and uh, you know, small small world, you know, that, that comes a lot. That, that happens in this little tiny world of metal and rock and roll. And it's neat. Would you like to go back to any questions? No, I, I, I think, I think those were good. <laughs> Unless you, do you have any other follow-up questions? 
No, no, that, that's it. I mean, you gave me some real treasures and definitely some uh, cool surprises, too. Um, final words. Final words? Um, well, we're really stoked for this new album, Great Fear, Fear Rising, and uh, it's going to be coming out April 2021 on Ripple Music. We just shot a music video. The music video is done. We're getting some things together to to debut it. I want to debut it this year. I want to do it now. And it's relevant to what's going on now. So uh, check it out. Once again, the band's called Void Vader. V-O-I-D-V-A-T-O-R. The best places to catch up with us is Facebook and um, Bandcamp and Instagram. So, you know, type our name in, into into the Google machine and uh, we'll pop up, listen to the music, support rock and roll, support heavy metal. This has been an interview with Void Vader guitarist Eric Kluber on November 15th, 2020 by Nick Perkel.